You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're listening to the E2C Network. Podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. For you Auburn fans, welcome to No Huddle, your source for Auburn football news and discussion. Part of the E2C Network. I'm AJ Richardson, and I'm also here with Jared Davis. We're about to go into the bye week, and uh, this is going to be a just a well-earned, after six tough SEC games, finally getting to our break. And Jared, I think we got a guaranteed win. I think Auburn's going to win this one. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not going to lose. <laughs> That is for sure. And there's been weeks, there's been seasons where I didn't know if we would lose or not on a bye week. Yeah. I mean, and, and coming into this, I mean, if we had legitimately laid an egg against LSU and we would have had essentially two weeks to think about that loss, that would have been a brutal, you know, essentially two weeks before we actually get to come out and play football again. And uh, I feel like this team, the just the momentum that it's now kind of gaining after a couple uh, good wins uh, would essentially just we, we wouldn't have anything it, it would be thinking all right we're, we may be able to break even this season um, and and get half of our wins and in the season five and five which is not anywhere where I want to be where the players want to be where anybody wants to be and uh, I think I think after this LSU win I mean how much do you think it's changed your mind about the way uh, we could potentially like the ceiling for this for the season yeah my mind's doing silly things now it's starting to say okay if we wouldn't have just if we wouldn't have lost to usc or <laughs> all right is there a team on bama's record that can beat them to make the iron bowl matter give mm-hmm. them a loss where we could give them their second loss so i'm starting to do crazy things aj i'm starting to think we're actually a really good football team and we may be you know the thing <laughs> about that game against lsu was all right i said all right look let's win we're at home just win by a point i don't care let's win by a point let's keep winning the games at home probably going to beat mississippi state and then we'll wind up with an okay record and then we go blow out lsu and now i'm like are, are we a good team mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> i don't know that answer it's a i i think we are a good team like considering how much talent we saw how how much talent just LSU has. I don't think you go into playing LSU with a uh, a crappy team and are just able to beat them. Um, and and I also don't think that this last week against LSU that we uh, that LSU was bad. I, I think they might have played bad. They might have had a game plan that is bad. But I think they've got players that if you give them the opportunity, they're going to beat you and. I think Auburn just said no to that. And I, I, those little things where we finally uh, put together a good win uh, and a convincing win lead you into the rest of the season in a much better spot um, than if we had lost that and been 3-3 three and three, um, coming into the last four games of this season. Yeah, I agree. Definitely a much more fun next two weeks. Yeah. Um, no, no anger. You know, everybody's excited. The team, just the confidence for for Bo. Bo's got all the talent in the world. Bo needs confidence. 
um, at this level. And I, I think it's start. I mean, even Christian Tut was, you know, talking about, you know, you could in the pregame meal, you could see it. He had a swagger going and stuff. So um, this is only going to make that even, even, even more. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Bo in and of himself, he's, he, I think at the beginning of the season, we saw maybe even a little bit of regression and Bo this season uh, coming in, especially in this bye week, you got to think this is going to be so good for him to think about the last six weeks, think back specifically and kind of sit another little bit on the South Carolina game where he did have those uh, three bad interceptions that led to us losing to South Carolina. And uh, you got to think that's got to, he's going to learn a lot from this, this couple weeks where he can almost do a, all right, let's rest every, everybody up and Bo can get back at it um, in, in a couple weeks. Yeah. I think my weeks help a lot because, you know, typically you're going week to week and all right, as soon as Saturday's done, you got to start looking at the next team and you, and you try to fix as much as you can about the issues you have, but you also got to implement a game plan. In a bye week, you can do both. So you can say, all right, look, we get we now have six games of Chad and Gus together on film, legit live action. We missed spring practice. Let's take that. What do we need to improve on? How can we help Bo with his footwork and things like that, feet work? And then um, so there's several things you can do that you can't do when you're playing a game the next week. So I think it's going to be huge, especially in the uh, COVID era where we didn't have a lot of real live action with these guys before the season started. Yeah. You make a good point because the, the spring ball and not essentially having any spring ball, having limited amount of time to, to get the guys ready is you're seeing with Auburn, at least it, it took them a few games and especially, I mean, I think, to get Bo comfortable, and it was pretty evident in the first few games, he had to have a a, a good offensive line, um, and part of that is coming together. Uh, they're they they're showing that they're becoming a, a cohesive group that plays well, can pass block, can run block, and that's a good sign for for this team um, when we're gonna have uh, some games where we're gonna have to put up some points, and I'm, I'm particularly thinking about Alabama where. Our Auburn's team to keep it with Alabama, we're gonna have to score some points, and uh, I, I think we're getting there. And uh, slowly but surely, it's it, it's been a bumpy road a little bit. I mean, if you had told me we lost to South Carolina, I would probably have guessed we were going, uh, we're only gonna win like four games that se- for that season. Um, and so far, we've already won four games. So this is a, a kind of for me, the trajectory is kind of pointing up saying we can do this we can get there it's just got to be um it's we got to get there um before alabama for sure uh, because if we don't come in 100 percent coming into alabama this is not going to be good there's not a team on our schedule at this point now other than alabama that i don't say we should win and i say that with a&m because it's at home now listen anything can happen but two weeks ago after USC, I would not have said that. We didn't know who, we didn't know how we were going to, where our wins were going to come from. I'm now pretty confident in saying, and I try to be pretty middle of the road. Uh, I'm confident in saying that I would actually be surprised at this point if we lose at home. Mm. Um, and our only other two road games are Mississippi State and Alabama. I would be surprised if we lose to Mississippi State. So, you know, essentially, if that plays out that way, you're looking seven and three. 
not terrible considering everything we went through. If we beat Alabama, we're really going to regret that USC loss. Mm-hmm. Um, really regret that USC loss. Uh, that's getting way ahead of ourselves. But um, I'll, I'll take that regret. I would love to beat Alabama and regret that loss. But, um, yeah, you go beat them, and then you're like, oh, man, this could have been a real special season. Yeah, and and who knows? Uh, this could still be a very special season if somehow Alabama loses. I mean, I, don't, I think it's very unlikely other than the Auburn game that Alabama loses. But Alabama's got LSU next week. They've got uh, Kentucky and Arkansas left, Um, and Auburn, obviously. But between LSU, Kentucky, and Arkansas, do you see – is there any possible way that you foresee this happening? (laughs) Anyway, I mean, there's a way. You know, they're college kids. Uh, Alabama's almost as close to a sure thing as you can get, and I hate to say that, but – I'll tell you, man, out of those three, I think Kentucky's their biggest competition because Kentucky has a – they're solid everywhere. They have a solid defense. Um, they have a pretty good run game. And Alabama, while I think they've gotten better since Ole Miss, they've struggled on defense and they've struggled stopping the run. So I think that – I don't think LSU's going to do it. I think Kentucky, surprisingly, is probably the, the biggest option there. <laughs> I don't think that happens either. But it's an option. Um, I just don't. I mean, Alabama very well could go undefeated. I hope they don't because that means they beat us. Um, but we are, on paper, their their toughest test remaining. Yeah, and that essentially means, I mean, honestly, like I, I'm trying to like keep a level head here. Alabama's going to win the West. Auburn may end up getting second or third in the West. And that'll be kind of unfortunate, especially if we go on a solid win streak to finish out the season. If we went three of the last four, I'd be okay with that too. Yeah, let me ask you this, and please, anybody listening, do not roll your eyes. I'm not saying this is going to happen, but the way we're playing and how Gus gets people rolling middle of the season, AJ, what do you do, like what does the end of the year look like if we don't lose again? So we we roll through, we beat Alabama at Alabama, we beat Mm A&M, we don't lose again. Like what, what does college football do with Auburn at the end of the year? We don't do enough to win the West. So we're sitting there at eight and two, and we've beaten Alabama, A and M, destroyed LSU. Um, like, what do you think that amounts to? I mean, I think top ten finish for sure. Um, I think the the question is going to be, do they even? I mean, I don't think Auburn gets a shot unless some other craziness goes on in other conferences. Um, and I I don't know if that's going to happen. I think Clemson's going to win out. I think probably Ohio State's going to win out. I mean, like, there's there's certain teams that are just they don't have a good enough competition, and that's 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 the tough part. Like it relies a lot on other teams not doing as well as what they probably should. Um, so, I, in all reality, I'd be happy if we got something like a Sugar Bowl at the end of the season, and that would be awesome to me. I mean, that that would be about as a successful season after losing two games early on in <laughs> that I can think of, honestly. What what do you think? Like, what do you think that they do with us if that does happen, where we win the rest of our season? Yeah, at that point, there's it would become them taking us. So, and again, fans, we're just we're just playing fun here, but it would mean they would just literally have to just handpick us and say, "Look, this team, I don't care. We're taking the Big Ten and uh, ACC and SEC champion, and then we're going to go handpick Auburn because they went to Bama." And if A&M stays in the top 10, they beat A&M, 
it would take something like that. But, I mean, if you want to think realistically, Ohio State probably isn't losing to anybody. Uh, Clemson and Notre Dame, whoever loses this weekend, uh, that's going to be their only loss most likely. So now you got uh, undefeated ACC and then only a one-loss ACC team. Um, Georgia-Florida this weekend, whoever loses that game will probably go on to win the East and only have one loss. I guess the only scenario there would be – I'll, I'll say this one and then I'll be done – Let's Ohio State, Alabama, um, and then you get Clemson or Notre Dame, just one of those, and then the East loses to Alabama, so now they have two losses, and they say Auburn looks better than that East team, so we're going to throw them in there. Hmm. That's the only scenario I could even play out to where it's even possible. Yeah, and again, that, that relies a lot on other teams not doing well for that to happen. And Yep. I mean, it is possible, but... I mean, it's kind of one of those super outside shots. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, we're, look, yeah, we were talking two weeks ago. We let's just win six games. I'm not trying to say we're going to make the playoff, <laughs> but I'm telling you, the way that team played yesterday, I know that was LSU, and you know how. I mean, we don't Alabama doesn't scare us, so I'm not saying we're going to beat them. Yeah, but you know, we're not going to we're not going to lose before the coin flip. We're, we're going to lose in the game. Most teams lose before the the toss of the coin mm-hmm. to Alabama in yeah. their mind. Yep, and and you got to think. Gus, and he showed it a little bit, even in Chad, that we're we're starting to pull the playbook out a little bit and do some extra stuff that we hadn't seen. And you got to think there's a few more plays left uh, for Alabama um, at the end of the season that, that we're going to definitely pull out and uh, keep this game close for them. Um, let's talk about kind of the where we are as far as uh, the number and stats for each of the players. Um so Bo Nix, he's completed about 60% of his passes. You know, it's not bad, but it's also not fantastic either. Um, but if you look at where his touchdowns and interceptions come from, uh, three of those came at South Carolina. Um, so if you eliminate that, um, I mean, you're, you're kind of thinking, all right, it's not, he's got nine touchdowns, one interception. It's not too bad. Like that, that ratio is awesome. Um, but then you kind of add in where, where Bo is very, um, I don't know, very agile in the running game. And uh, he's already up to 274 yards rushing um, this season. We're, we're definitely using him a lot more in the run game. Um, and, and I wanted to look back at 2019, so last year with Bo Nix. Um, so he actually had only 39 more yards than that um, throughout the whole 2019 season. Mm-hmm. So Bo's just got to get 39 more yards. And he's getting uh, as many rushing yards as what he did last year. Um, so I, we're using him a, a lot more in the run game. And I think that's where I'm seeing a confident Bo Nix that um, is that uh, what Gus refers to as a championship level quarterback. Um, and you can get that confidence level of a championship level quarterback and Bo can go anywhere. He can play anybody on any game and, and win because he's got that confidence. Uh, and then another one is uh, Tank Bigsby. Uh, kind of, He's been that emerging star, um, and he's already got 500 yards, which is crazy, considering if we played a full you know, 12-game schedule like we would before, he would easily be, he's, he's easily kind of priming himself to be that 1,000-yard rusher. He's, he might get there if he has a super explosive game in the next few games and gets 150, 200 yards in a game. But if he gets even close with only 10 games in a season like this year, I will be so happy 
considering we'll have him for at least another couple years. Um, because goodness, I mean, I, I cannot say enough good things about this guy. Um, I mean, for goodness sakes, I think he almost has a thousand yards all purpose between kickoff returns, receiving, rushing. Um, Jared, what's what's most impressed you about about Tank Bigsby? Um, yeah, and from a stats standpoint, real quick, I think you know because you really want to protect guys now. Um, there's more rotating running backs. I don't think the thousand yard thing means what it did five years ago. I think it's more yards per carry and touchdowns now. And I mean, he's at five point seven yards per carry. He's got five touchdowns. And let's remember, he wasn't even the. St- I mean, he was not. He was kind of like an afterthought in the Kentucky game until we saw what he could do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he was not the focal point. I'm amazed every time I watch him. I know in the LSU game he had seventy one yards, and that's a down game for Tank, which is just how good he is. He just reads holes well, and his balance um, is just amazing. Um, and he always falls forward. Uh, Gary Danielson wants to nickname him Tilt, which uh, was just kind of annoying. But um, but he does – I mean, Gary has a point. He does always fall forward. Yep. Uh, it's just – you know, I go back and forth, and I'm always like, all right, is a good running back, do they really matter, or is it really the line, offensive line? And then there's this back that comes along, and you're like, oh, it's both, and this guy's got it. And Tank is like, yeah, it matters. Mm-hmm. Um, he is really, really good. And um, I'm excited that he's he's wearing orange and blue. Yeah, I mean to have a guy that is so talented on our team, I'm, I'm I I did not. I mean, I honestly thought he would be good, but I did not think he would be this good. And that's that. I already had some pretty high standards for a, a super high level talented guy like Tank. Um, another super talented guy is Seth Williams. Let's look at his numbers real quick. He has uh, 511 yards already um, on the season, and uh, he's got uh, almost 19 yards. He's at 18.3 yards per carry and uh, three touchdowns so far this season. He has uh, – I feel like those numbers really don't show how how good he is um, because I feel like he's probably easily the just most explosive player um, for our wide receivers. Um, and that's saying a lot considering how much Schwartz gets open and uh, just makes uses his speed. But Seth Williams knows how to use his body. And I think this far in the season, um, Seth, just with having the top, uh, pretty much uh, anybody who's guarding him, the top DB, top safety, anybody's, uh, they're keeping an eye on him. And he's still getting that many yards. Um, he's going to be a just a force and at the next level um wherever he ends up going to uh in the nfl uh and then anthony schwartz i mean he's kind of like that he's he's getting up there he's only what is that like 90 yards essentially behind uh seth williams at 422 yards and uh i mean you've got some really good wide receivers that are getting some good good play time and uh i mean that's not even to mention eli stove and uh now Capers kind of making his name known. So the wide receivers, I, I'm feeling good about them, um, along with how our run game's kind of getting there. Um, any other guys kind of stand out to you now that we're six games into the season? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, obviously you can't help but say J.J. Pegue stands out, but he's more of just kind of fun to watch. Um, you know, I would say, I don't know stats-wise, I've been very – very pleasantly 
impressed with Worm and how um, Shivers that is, and how he's kind of handled the um, a little more bulk of the carries. You know, I didn't. You know, he's been more of a end around guy. You know, he kind of sent him in motion. So I've been very pleased with how he's kind of been a counter with to Tank. Um, but I mean, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, the guy, the uh, stove. I will say stove. Uh, also, yeah. I've been I've been very impressed with him and how he's been the steady go-to. You know, when when everything else breaks down, Stove is is running great routes, great hands, and um, just a guy you can count on. Yeah, he's I, I coming into this season, I thought he'd be kind of our utility, uh, kind of all around kind of wide receiver, and he's he's done that and more. Um, he's he's been a really solid asset for us. Um, I mean, considering this last game against LSU, he's, you know, putting up some crazy numbers and getting very efficient. Anytime he gets the ball, he's very efficient. And, uh, that's, that's something that I love to see. I mean, that means he's getting the yards down the field. He's keeping the ball moving. And, uh, I mean, that, that's gotta be something that helps overall our offense just keep moving. And I think Eli is definitely one of those. We're going to take a quick break from this episode for a special announcement. One of the things that we take great pride here at the E2C Network are our listeners are really our E2C Network family. Now, I know they enjoy listening to us, but let's be honest. Every once in a while, they probably would like a little bit of change of pace. Well, that's where you come in if you're a business owner. If you have any interest in partnering with us in terms of ads or sponsorships on our podcast episodes, you can reach us at e2cnetwork at gmail.com. Let us help you reach the widest variety of Auburn fans out there. I mean, come on. Who else listens to a network where they cover everything from Auburn football to The Bachelor and the connections it has with Auburn? Utilize our podcasts, Facebook live shows, and other flexible partnership opportunities that are available upon request. Let us help you reach the E2C Network family and the Auburn family at large on how you might best be able to serve them. Reach out to us at e2cnetwork at gmail.com for more information. That's all we have for you in this special message. Let's get back into the episode. Um, on defense, I mean, <laughs> just some crazy numbers already on defense. And and we were coming into the season, uh, and even in the first few games of the season, thinking, okay, we I know we had some some pretty big drop-offs with not having the crazy talented Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson and other guys that uh, played on the last couple of years teams, but this defense has still yet to give up more than 30 points in a game. And they're the only team in the sec to do that. Pretty uh, impressive. man, like I, I love watching them. They're not the, the, I don't know. They're not the crazy level that we were last year, but that's okay. I, I think our offense is better. And with that, I, I think we're we're still able to win, um, even if our defense isn't necessarily as good as last year. But I think they're slowly getting there. And man, our guys are still so young that next year I think our defense is going to be one of the best defenses in the SEC, um, if not the best. We we lost um, three of our best players and essentially three of our leaders if you count KJ Britt, you know, getting hurt. So. To be where we're at, you lose Marlin, you lose Derek Brown, to the, you lose those two to the draft, and then you lose KJ, you know, uh, in week two. Um, yeah. So I would say to to 
be where they're at. I think they're fourth in the SEC in scoring defense. Only team in the SEC to not give up more than 30. And I know I got frustrated in the Ole Miss game, but, you know, I think if you – I've said before, if you got uh, Kevin Steele to the side off of the record, he would say we did exactly what we wanted to do. Uh, we gave him 28. We essentially let him just run it, run it, run it, but we didn't give him any any big plays yeah. uh, other than the one of the tight end. So, he, I mean, his game plan was to do that. He's very smart. You know, he sh- people – he shut down, let's just call it what it was, for what LSU was last year, he shut them down by running some weird new defense that they had only repped that week. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's very good at looking at what, and if you see what he does in the second half, he's always good at adjustments. Um, very good at seeing what the other team does and making it work. Um, and it took him probably two weeks to kind of work that in after losing KJ, and now hopefully we've figured something out. Oh, for sure. And uh I think that kind of wraps up our kind of our thoughts on where we're at this far in the season, because uh, there's, uh, I mean, four and two isn't, I think where Jared, you and I were thinking, I, I was thinking also we'd be five and one probably at this point, or maybe even six and oh, if we had uh, beaten Georgia. But at this point, when you already have two losses and you, you've got the uh, momentum moving towards your, your offense defense is, is, playing like they should be, then I, I feel a lot better about going into the rest of the season. Jared, let's uh, shift a little bit and talk about uh, our favorite segment, the Auburn fan perspective on the SEC. And uh, there were some weird stuff that went on this week. And uh, one of them was Joey Gatewood actually got the start uh, for Kentucky. Um, he's playing Georgia, and Georgia's defense is really good. <laughs> but Joey... Didn't do a whole bunch that that game, and uh, Georgia won fourteen to three. Uh, it's unfortunate for Joey just going up in mean, his first week against Curry Smart's defense. But man, any other thoughts about that game? Because I, I was, I mean, I knew Georgia's offense isn't that great, but only putting up fourteen—that's pretty low for them. Yeah, I was surprised to see that. I think that uh, people have kind of, you know, maybe maybe figured out Stetson Bennett a little bit. Uh, he's, a, he's a great story, and he, you know, he, they manhandled Auburn, so I'm not taking anything away. But um, I think that they've, you know, they they were essentially the first few weeks they were running kind of a base offense and just outmanning you. And now that everybody's getting up to speed, they may have to bring a little more to the table. Um, but uh, I felt like Kentucky used Gatewood incorrectly. I, I thought in that game, you don't want to go in there and have him throw the ball around. Mm-hmm because it's Georgia. Yep. I thought they probably should have <clears throat> essentially built that thing around zone read, and they ran that a few times, but they, they tried to throw more than I would have thrown with him for that to be his first game against Kentucky or Georgia. So, But, yeah, I mean, he didn't look good. I mean, there's no denying that. Was that Georgia or was that he's not good? I don't know. We'll find out. But, um, yeah, it's I would, I would have gone a little more run with him. Yeah, I think I would have too. I mean, Joey Gatewood – uh, he he did try to run the ball, was sixteen times. That's a good bit, but he was not getting any movement. And considering, I was just thinking about last year's Kentucky. They had a mobile quarterback. That was essentially what they did. They ran the ball most of the time, and and they still have a lot of the same pieces that run the ball uh, and make that a successful offense. So you would have thought with Joey Gatewood's athletic ability running the ball, he would have been able to get a few more than that. And uh, yeah, I would have run him 
even more than that. Just to... yeah, I think some of the sixteen were. Uh, the, I didn't watch the whole game, but some of them were scrambles. Oh yeah. So I would have. Mm-hmm. I would have definitely done more like designed runs. And the quarterback they had last year was was I think a converted receiver, so not a real threat to pass. Joey had the threat to pass, so maybe that opens up the run more. I, listen, I'm not a coach, and it's Georgia, and it's hard to score on them. But I just don't think you throw a guy in first game against Georgia and you know expecting to be able to pass the ball around and. Um, <clears throat> Like I said, Gatewood may turn out to not be a good quarterback, but I, I just I, I hold hold judgment playing those guys because Georgia has one of the better defenses in the in the country. Yeah, definitely. Um, another interesting game that happened, and uh, this one I was not expecting Alabama to completely shut out Mississippi <laughs> State, but they did forty-one to nothing. Um, and, and just to think, I mean, Mississippi State in their first game to score forty-four points. And then for the next four games of their, or really the last four games that they've played, they've only like, like they have not scored hardly at all. And you're just like, this is so interesting. Like to, for SEC teams to be able to figure out Mike, Mike Leach's offense that quickly. Um, I, I'm honestly just amazed. Like I, I would have thought it would have taken teams a lot longer to figure this out, but I mean, <laughs> I love Mike Leach, just his personality. But if we can shut down offenses like that at the SEC, I I don't know if he really deserves to necessarily be in the SEC um, if this is the product he's putting out there. Um, I, I honestly, I, I want better for Mississippi State if this is what kind of product Mike Leach is going to put out on the field. Now, I know he doesn't have his guys or whatever, but like if, if come next year and teams are still shutting him down, I think he's he's definitely going to be on that hot seat real quick. Yeah, it's so weird. I mean, there's everybody's shutting him. I mean, Arkansas shut him down. Everybody's shutting him down, and that scares me because we play him at, away two weeks from now. But and I'm an Auburn fan, so why not be scared? But um, I don't know. You know, their, their star running back opted out. I mean, uh, he's quality running back. Many many SEC teams would have gladly taken him. Um, I can't think of his name, but he's he's opted out this past week and getting ready for the NFL. So um, it's not good over there. I mean, I feel for them. I like Mike Leach. I think that, you know, this is not the norm. I think that he gets his guys in there. Now, they're not going to win the West, but I think if he gets his guys, they'll be competitive. But he's going to have to adjust a little bit. He's going to have to bring in some run because you can't just throw it 70 times a game. Yeah. No, not was, in the SEC, not with the player, not with the players you're going up against. Yeah, exactly. And and I think a lot of teams kind of how they're slowing them down, just playing some zone D and keeping everything in front of you, playing your zone, and that that's kind of the winning recipe. And I mean, for Alabama to shut out a team, I mean, to shut out a team in 2020 where offenses can easily score 70 points in a game if they if they're just going, it's it's something really very impressive um for that to happen yeah i mean this is not the alabama defense of old i mean this alabama defense has some holes in it so for them to shut them down it's not a knock on them it's just facts for them to shut them down that's yeah that's tells you a little bit tells you a lot about mississippi state yeah oh for sure mm-hmm. uh the uh another game that happened in the sec was texas a&m uh they beat arkansas 42 31 and uh that one i'm it was a little bit closer than I would have thought, uh, but maybe that's just showing, and I don't know if this is the case, but maybe Arkansas, they're, I know they're in the top 10. They're good, obviously, but 
I I don't know if they're a legitimate like top ten type team. And uh, I mean, hey, I'd love to come into that last week and our uh, Texas A&M is still a top ten team and us beat them um, and get our final win of the season over a top ten team. Um, what? How do you feel? I mean, like right now with where Texas A&M is as a as a team. I mean, Texas A&M is good for four losses a season. So I don't know. They, you know, they beat one of those was supposed to be Florida. So they won that. So now you're like, all right, have they tilted that? You know, I still think they end the year with three. I just think we beat them, and I'm not, I'm not an overconfident Auburn fan. I just like us at home. So I think we beat them. I think Ole Miss beats them. If I'm being hmm. honest. Um, why, why do you so, think that? I just think Ole, I think when we look back at the end of the year, we're going to think that Ole Miss win at Ole Miss, especially with us stumbling a little bit, was pretty impressive. Hmm. I mean, you got to remember what they did against Bama. Then, then they had, then, then we came in, and I know there was the controversial end of the game, but let's let's be honest, we still had them to 28, and then they go into Vandy and destroy Vandy. I mean, they've basically been throwing up crazy numbers against everybody but Auburn. Yep. And I just think that. I don't know. I just got a feeling that Ole Miss is going to get – they're going to get somebody um, that they may not should. And um, A&M fits the – A&M's history fits the, fits the best recipe there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they seem to be a team that comes in top 10 or whatever. They're, they're ranked and just kind of falls off. And I don't know if they'll, they'll fall off before we get to them at the end of the season. Um, but – I feel like every year they they get to a point where you're, I don't know, they just don't seem to be that great of a team. And we've went on rants about this, but to have the Texas level of talent and still not win most of your games is just insane. AJ, I'll say real quick, man, they they play at night against South Carolina this Saturday. I mean, that's I'm not trying to pump South Carolina because we lost to them, but at South Carolina they play better there. Then they got Tennessee. At Tennessee, mm-hmm. um, they still got old LSU and they got Auburn. So I just think they end. I think they easily end the season with three losses. But could be wrong. I've been wrong before. Uh, and then Jared, our, the last game. And this is probably the most uh, interesting of them all. Was the Florida versus Missouri game. And uh, this one, if you didn't see any of the highlights, I think you probably just haven't been watching TV because it's everywhere. <laughs> um, is is the fight right right at halftime and uh jared i want to kind of get your your thoughts on that and what happened with the both teams going at each other um and and resulting in a a three different injections from uh three different players yeah look there's a fine line between protecting your quarterback and going crazy i mean kyle trask got way late hit at you know before half but um you know you, you might say a few words but they were throwing punches and i'll be honest with you Dan Mullen's trying to play it off. I think he instigated it. If you watch the video, he was out in front of his team hollering at Missouri coaches and players, and then he tried to play it off later as, I don't really know what started it. I think I think my players were upset because they hit track. I'm like, you were out there leading it. Yeah. Um, and then when they're walking off, everybody's trying to pull Florida players. Missouri's pulling theirs. He's still going at it, and they're having to pull him away. Yep. I, I man, I was mm, – I mean, I was – I don't I don't want to knock a guy too much, but he comes back out. Instead of being in the locker room getting on to his players, he's back out there revving the crowd up. Yeah. And then he shows up to his press conference in a Darth Vader mask. I mean, 
I don't see Gus handling it that way. I hate to say it. I sure don't see Nick Saban, ha- Nick Saban handling it that way. I don't even see like somebody like Lane Kiffin handling it that way. I don't see like you're right. I don't see anybody handling that situation the way Dan Mullen did. I thought it was. I was very. I won't question him as a person. I can only go off of what I saw on TV. I was very, very surprised that any head coach, especially one at one of the major universities in America, handled that situation the way he did. Yeah. I mean, the cherry on top for me was somebody uh, took a screenshot of the post-game conference where he showed up as a Darth Vader in a Darth Vader costume. And I'm like, okay, sure, it's Halloween. But after what y'all just did, I why not show up in a clown costume? Because that's what you really are. Yes, what you, <laughs> I mean, I'm just picturing, listen, I don't like Nick Saban at all. But, I mean, can you imagine Saban going to the podium right there? His, like, mm-hmm. it, it would have been all about how your team's got to be better. Even and, even somebody like Mike Leach didn't do that, who, if anybody's going to do it, I feel like Mike Leach would have worn a costume. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. You know, Gus is Gus is never going to down his players. He does a good job of that. But you would be very – it would be very clear at a press conference that Gus was not happy with that. Yeah. If your plan was before to show up in a Darth Vader, whatever. But at, you got to you gotta read the room. And after what happened at halftime – you got to be more serious, man. You can't show up in a, in a Halloween costume when your team just potentially before maybe your biggest game as a coach. Yep. They are about to play Georgia, which essentially will decide the East. Mm-hmm. And you just lost three players for sure. And after the SEC reviews that you may lose more and you're showing up in a Darth Vader costume. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, and this we're recording this on Sunday. So maybe by the time this comes out, there's going to be more uh, players. Good point. That, there may be more players and I, I would not honestly not be shocked with how many, uh, how much shoving was going on. If they find players punching and doing things like that, I feel like they, they might not be able to play against Georgia. And I think that after they reviewed Dan Mullen's actions, I don't want to overstate this, but that like that, you, they have to be the adult in the room and yeah. the way he was kind of, you know, he didn't touch any Missouri players, but the way he went out after them, I wonder what they're going to do with Dan Mullen. If I'm being honest, do you, I mean, do you think there's a, like an option where he's not allowed to coach or anything like that? I think with coaches, they typically take, look, he didn't touch anybody. So essentially they're probably just going to find him and you know, whatever, I'm not going to be mad. It's not going to affect my life, but I I think that you know if this happens again, there's got to be like you can't coach type thing. But they'll probably find him. He was he didn't handle that well, but he didn't touch anybody. So you know at that point you probably just find him. But he's got to be careful. It's going to be reviewed. There's no doubt. I mean that that is I, I I've seen plenty of coaches. Saban's one of them. Gus is one of them where they get really really angry and they start yelling at the refs. Whatever. Like I get it. Like. I mean, you're you're trying to back up your player, but if when you start going after the other team, I feel like that that goes over the line of sportsmanship, and and that that should automatically be, especially in the SEC where it it you know it just means more. Like that does mean more. You well, going really after the does, other team, it really does. I know we got to end this up, but there's one thing to go out to the ref when they make a bad call and you can't touch a ref, but all coaches get upset with with them. You're going after the other team, and then the point is you don't get it. You instead of going in and getting after your team for doing that, you're out there pumping the crowd up. Yeah, I agree. I, I, like that just sends a message that you don't understand 
what just happened. Yeah. I mean, if, if I was Gus, I would have been like, you go sit your butts down in yeah. your locker room for 15 minutes at halftime, think about what you just did, and then come back out and let's play a hard game. If you have any more personal fouls, we're not playing you for the rest of the season. I, I just can be like honest, that. That's it. Sorry. I'm not... I'm not trying to be a good listen. I, I'm 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 even down the road. I'll critique him when he needs it and credit him when he does when he needs that. Gus, I think Gus might have looked at some of those players if he knew if he got word from who was doing it, he might have personally set them in the second half. Mm. Um, yeah. Gus wouldn't have waited on the SEC if he if if it word came down that so and so was doing this. Other than the three that were ejected by the refs, he might have personally set players down and said, "That's not leadership," um, and you better learn. And because he's been known to do that, he he's set many, many really five star good players that wound up leaving the team because of it. Um, yep. So I I I think and you saying Lane Kiffin would have handled it differently, and I fully agree with you. Is pretty telling because yeah. Lane's kind of one of those. Lane's kind of like the guy you think it'd be pretty cool to probably hang out with at a party. <laughs> yeah. I mean that's kind of how I view Lane. Yep. Great offensive mind, but hey, he's, he'd be fun at a party. And and even Lane would have handled that differently. I think so too. I mean, he would have obviously gotten uh, defended his player, but like the way you defend your player is not by going after the other team. That that's that's the line for me. I, I, I'll end with this seriously. I've I've been okay, whatever, with Dan Mullen when he accused Marlon Davidson last year of purposely trying to take out Kyle Trask at halftime yep. when he had no video proof of that. Yep, and never came out and apologized. That's all I needed to know. Yeah. Oh, exactly. And. I mean, it was a very legal hit. So he got, yeah, he got hit. He got sl- he was held. He was slung into his leg. Yeah. So yeah, it yeah. wasn't even his fault. No, it was not. Marlins never been accused of any of that. It was not dirty. Yeah. And to accuse him of that on live television without going and reviewing it and not ever coming out and if he had come out and apologized later that week, I'd have been okay with it. As far as I know, he never did, and, nope. and that w- that doesn't surprise me. That he, he does didn't. not. Like, he did not. I don't remember any kind of apology for that. Yeah, that's all I need to know about uh, Dan Mullen. Yeah, exactly. He's not on a list that uh, uh, any coaches ever for me to hire. Ever. Yeah. I, I, I think he's a good X and O's guy. I think he I think he, taught, he coaches up quarterbacks very well, but um, I, I, Urban Meyer does as well, and I wouldn't want Urban Meyer coaching at Auburn So with his history. So, you know, there's um, – there's, there's just uh, you got to have both, man. And there's coaches out there that have both integrity um, and also good coaches. Yeah, definitely. Jerry, before we get out of here, uh, where can people find you? Uh, just on my Facebook and Instagram, uh, Jared Davis. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at a j a y j a y underscore. It's always great to be an Auburn Tiger and War Eagle. War Eagle. Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing, that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you?